we um, we are about halfway through this um, this conversation as we have been learning things from the uh, the letter that Paul wrote to these churches in Galatia. Galatia, as you remember, is a, a region of modern day Turkey, the 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 um, area called uh, Asia Minor, and it's it's kind of the south and central portions of that of that place. And uh, Paul wrote this uh, letter to them, and he began the the first half of the letter, the part we've already looked at. He's been talking to them about about how um, uh, what God has done for them that 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 uh, because of Jesus they can be adopted now as children of of Abraham that they are now incorporated into the family of the children of Abraham. And in the second half, um, he's kind of done talking about here's what has happened, and he spends the rest of the letter talking about okay, in light of all that. What's what's next? What's going to happen as a result of what of what um, God has done in Christ? So we we're kind of getting into the the place now where maybe it will find a little more traction with us because because um, you know we've heard for two thousand years we've heard about what God did with Jesus and so now he's going to start talking about what God is going to be doing moving forward. So so uh, we begin now in um, this this uh, place in chapter four. He's he's already said that. That um, the, the the Galatians who are who are not Jewish um, by ancestry that they are now in the position of Jews in that they have been adopted into the family of Abraham. So they aren't genealogically related to Abraham, but they are um, spiritually related because of the the adoption they have now in in Christ. And so, starting in chapter four, he says, "Okay, now what? What what does that mean for us as we as we look forward?" So. Um, uh, the Galatians at this point say, okay, I guess at this point that what we're supposed to do is to act like Jews, right? To do all the things the Jews do. We should, we should get circumcised. We should be part of the sacrificial system. We should, uh, observe the dietary regulations. We should act like the Jews do because now we're in the same family. We're, we're children of Abraham, the same as the Jews. And Paul's answer is no. Here's why. And he says, because if you look at Jewish history, what does it teach you? So um, Paul says, uh, so so now what? And Paul says, look at Jewish history. So he says this. He says, he goes back as any Jew would to the story of the Exodus, the, the, the fundamental story um, as central to them as July 4th is to us. Um, so he says, he says, look at the story of the Exodus. Uh, God says to Moses, Say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my oldest son. Now it's interesting, God has had this relationship with Abraham, but now God says, and because because of the relationship I have with Abraham, Israel is in the position not just of children of Abraham, but but my children, that, that they are that dear to me, that they are my oldest son, and the other nations uh, have, have a different relationship with me, but Israel is my firstborn, my oldest son. And he said, I, I, tell, I said to you, Pharaoh, let my son go so he could worship me. So that's what, that's what God says to Moses to tell to Pharaoh, that, that this is the, the fundamental understanding of who, who um, Israel is, who, who the nation of Israel, the children of Abraham are. And he says, that all took place before the law. That was in the front end of the Exodus. It was only after the Exodus, after God has delivered them from their slavery, then they get the law. So he says that's that's the the story of the of the Jews. And he he says, um, so the problem. So uh, 
So this all happened before the law. And the Galatians at this point would say, okay, well, yeah, but I know Jews. I've seen them around town, right? They wear funny clothes. They they act different. They don't eat the same food as the rest of us do. They They send money to Jerusalem as part of their temple tax. They act differently from us. What what is the law for if, if if they already had this relationship with God through Abraham before the law? And Paul says this. So we pick it up now in verse um, verse one. He says, "I'm saying that as long as the heirs are minors, they're no different from slaves, although they're really the owners of everything. However, they are placed under trustees and guardians until the date set by their parents. So this just makes sense. If Grandpa leaves, you know, little Oliver, we saw." Uh, you know, if Grandpa leaves a, a million dollars to Oliver, you know, there's no telling what Oliver would spend it on, right? You know, comic books or lollipops, something like that. So you would have you would have some kind of a, a regent or um, a guardian who would take care of the money until Oliver comes to to his uh, majority, until he becomes an adult. We just understand that, right? He says, and and that trustee or guardian, Paul's referring to. Um, to this idea he just did in chapter 3. He said, the law, the Jewish law, the sacrificial system, the dietary regulations, all those things, that became our custodian until Christ so that we might be made righteous through faith. So that it was it was after the relationship was established. We are heirs. We're just being protected by this law so uh, that we may be made righteous through faith. And so Paul continues in chapter 4, he says, in the same way, when we were minors, we were also enslaved by the world system. So so this is suddenly weird. He's talking about receiving your inheritance, and then suddenly he's talking about inheritance, um, about being enslaved. So what does he mean? Well, the, the history of Israel is that God rescued them from slavery in Egypt. God gave them the law to take care of them. And the law had a, a, in it not just a list of things to do, but a set of promises that were attached to it. So God said, if you obey the law, here's all of the blessings that will flow to you. And so for several chapters in the book of Deuteronomy, God just lists all these blessings that will come on the Jews if they obey the law. And God also lists a bunch of curses that will happen if they fail to obey the law. And Paul says, look at our history. We have failed to obey the law. You know, God sends prophets, but but even so, we fail to obey the law. And as a result, uh, even after we were freed from slavery in Egypt... We were exiled in Babylon. And then when we got back to the, the the land of promise, when we got back to our home country, we were still oppressed by foreigners. We were oppressed by the, the Babylonians, the Persians, the, the Greeks, the Romans. We've been oppressed for the last six centuries. We have been subject to the curse, which tells you we have not been obeying the law. The curses in Deuteronomy have fallen on us because we have not obeyed the law. He says that's our situation. We have been enslaved to the world system. So what does he mean by the world system? Well, you know, we pro- this is almost the word we would use. We might say the system or we might say the man. Uh, you know, it's 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 um it's the the way the world works. It's it's the the things that that make this world hard. All of that collectively is the world system. And he says, we've, we have not received the blessings that God promised. We didn't, we didn't obey the law. So we've gotten all those curses. We have gotten the same world system. Uh, we have not been shielded, protected from the world system. We've actually been enslaved by it. So, so, um, but 
When the fulfillment of the time came, God sent his son, born through a woman, born under the law. This was so he could redeem those under the law so that we could be adopted. So God hasn't forgotten us. Yes, we are, we, our disobedience has resulted in the curses, but God hasn't forgotten us. So he sent his son, um, at the, as the fulfillment of the time came. So, uh, if you were here a couple of, um, I don't know, four or five weeks ago, we talked about Paul's understanding of, of the present age versus the, um, age to come. How these two, these two ages are happening and Jesus comes at, at the end of the one age and at the beginning of the other. The Jesus, the, the life, death, resurrection and the second coming of Jesus mark out the different, um, ways that the two ages overlap one another. So he says, when the t- time came, he sent Jesus. So, so as this age is sputtering to a conclusion, Jesus came to inaugurate the new age. So he did that so he could redeem those under the law. They're slaves. They've got to be redeemed, right? The law has, has done exactly what it promised to do. It has let them be subject to all of the same problems that everybody else has. They're part of the world system. They're not part of God's separate system that God had envisioned for them and promised them. So that's the Jews. He's saying, those are the people that you're talking about acting like. If you're going to start doing what they do, look what happened to them. They couldn't obey. They couldn't keep the law because the law showed them that they could not keep it. And so they, the, the curses associated with the law fell on them. He says, that's what's in store for you if you begin obeying the law, if you try to, if you try to, to, to keep the law. So he says, but because you are sons and daughters, you are now sons and daughters too. You've been incorporated into the family of Abraham, which means really into the family of God. He says, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Is what I talk to the children about. God has, has testified to us that, that, um, not just externally, somebody telling you about Jesus, but internally, the spirit working in your heart to convict you, to persuade you that what you heard was true. So he says, therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. And if you are his child, then you are also an heir through God. You've been redeemed too. You were never under the law, but you were part of that same world system that the world was having its way with you, and you are now redeemed as well. You're a son or a daughter, and if you're his child, then you're also an heir. You're an heir of all the promises that God gave to Abraham. And he says, at the time when you didn't know God, you were enslaved by things that aren't God's by nature. So you were enslaved not by Jupiter and Mars and all the idols you've got, but by the system itself, by you know the market, by the man, by, you know, them, you know, they, the people who, who we talk about, they're doing this to us, right? That's who has been enslaving you. Uh, the, the isms, right? You know, uh, corporatism or, or Marxism or, or, um, you know, uh, femi- uh, not feminism, sexism, <laughs> maybe feminism too. I don't know. Sexism or racism, the isms, right? The world, the way that the world works has enslaved you. Um, not as a result of failing to keep the law, but just because that's the way the world works. That's the way that this present age that's passing away works. You you didn't know God, you didn't have the law, but you were enslaved by things that aren't God's by nature. And he says, now, after knowing God, or more importantly, being known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless world system? He says, that's where you're headed, right? You think you're you're getting away from it, but... 
remember, the law brings curses as well as blessings. You're not going to get away with it because the Jews could never get away with it. They, they're for now, right now, 600 years of oppression by foreign governments. You know, they're still dealing with the curses of the law. You're not going to get away from the world system by going back to the law. So he says, you observe religious days and months and seasons and years. He's, he's equating their, their Saturnalias and Lupercalias and all the, the pagan holidays with the Jewish festivals. He's saying it's all the same, that it won't keep you from being enslaved by the world system. So, so that's Paul's um, explanation to them. The first thing, the, the most important lesson, he says, in light of what God has done, the first thing is don't go back. Don't go back to slavery. So that's, that's his first, that's his first lesson. And he's going to talk more about that in the, in the coming chapters. He's going to say, what else can we get out of this, this understanding of what God has done? But he begins here. He says, first of all, don't go back. And he reminds, he's reminded them that they have God's, God's spirit in their hearts to testify to them that this is true, right? Like the, like the Israelites, in the wilderness, they're going to be tempted. They're going to go back. Oh, it was so nice back in Egypt. You know, it was so wonderful. Yeah, we were slaves, but you know, we had leeks and flesh pots. So, so he's saying you're going to have that, but you've got this presence of God with you. You've got God testifying in your heart that you're His son or His daughter. And I think this is a place where some of us struggle because we say, well, you know. I know those people at the church down the street, you know, they're kind of more excitable. They, they do more jumping around and stuff like that. They maybe had the spirit in them, but I'm not so sure I ever had the spirit in me testifying that, that God is my father. That, you know, what does that even mean to have the spirit inside me testifying that God is my father? You know, I've read the book of Acts. I haven't spoken in tongues. I didn't see any, any, you know, uh, 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 flames. You know, I haven't done any miracles, right? I'm not sure what it means to have the Spirit in me testifying that God is my Father. So, let me come at it a different direction. You know, many of you are familiar with the story of the prodigal son or the lost son. Jesus tells this story about a young man who receives his inheritance and he goes off to a far far off country and he squanders it in wild living. And after a while, the money runs out and he has to scramble for a job. He finds a job, a terrible job, where he can't even really pay, he can't, he can't eat. He's hand to mouth and he's doing the, he's doing the most uh, contemptible job for a Jew. He's feeding pigs. He's in the, the pigsty up to his ankles in filth, and he comes to his senses. He says, my father's servants had it better back home. Now, I have burned my bridges. There's no way dad would ever accept me back as a son, but his servants have it better than this. If I go back, maybe, just maybe, he's got such a soft heart, he will accept me as a servant. And so, as you know the story, he goes back, but his father doesn't accept him as a servant. His father says, you know, sees him coming, runs out, greets him, kisses him, says, you know, get the, get the, the robe and the, the ring, kill the fatted calf, we're going to have a party, because my son has returned. Jesus tells that story, 
And he says, this is what God is like. And I, I would say that that's a picture of what Paul's talking about. The, the son is in the pigsty. And he says, my dad is better to his servants than the situation I'm in right now. I think he's had the Spirit testify in his heart something about his father. But but that's a guy in a story. What about us? Well, what happened when you heard that story? Maybe when you heard it the first time, maybe right now. Did you say, did you say, that dad, he's such a sucker. You know, I've got a black sheep in my family and, you know, my parents were always too nice to him. Did, did you, did, did, what went through your head is, no, he needs to kick him back out. He needs to send him packing. He needs to say, all right, yeah, you can be a servant. You're going to be the lowest servant in my entire ranch. Is that what went through your head? Or did you think, could it be true? Did your heart beat a little faster and say, yeah, if there is a God and if he's good, that's what he should do. He should accept the son back, even though the son has made a complete botch of his life. Did you say, if there was a God, that's what God should be like? That, that I think, is the testimony of the Holy Spirit in your heart saying, this is what, what I mean when I say father. This is the good father. This is the father who accepts the prodigal despite everything he's done. Now, Paul's going to talk more about the Spirit, so this is just, this is just the very beginning. But if your heart beat it, beat a little faster, if you kind of sat up and said, I hope so, it should be like that, then let me suggest that that is the Spirit speaking to you. And Paul says, the Spirit testifies in our heart that we are His sons. And if we are His sons, we are heirs. We don't have to go back under the law. All the law can do is treat us like a custodian. You know, sees what we're doing and then says, you can't do that anymore. You know, we'll have fun, fun, fun till the daddy takes the T-bird away. Right? That's all the law can ever do. Just don't go back under the law. Don't be like the son in the story who says, God would never accept me as a son, but only as a servant. God doesn't need any more servants. God doesn't want any more servants, but he wants you as his child. Don't go back under slavery. Don't go to God saying, can I please be a servant? Go to God saying, will you accept me back as your son? Because that is the promise of Scripture. Let's pray. God, there's something in all of us, I think, that that makes us like the, the son in the story. The reason we are in the far country feeding pigs, is because we don't understand how good you are. And so even when we come to our senses, we think that you will only accept us back as a servant, that we have to put the law back on us. Lord, help us to see that you have given us a true adoption as your children, as your children and as your heirs. You don't want us as servants. You want us as children. Help us to hold on to that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.